Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Good, good. Let's just open our time in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we do come before you. We are thankful, Lord, for a new year you've ushered in, opportunity for us to yet again serve you in 2017. So we hand ourselves over to you. We hand this message over to you, Lord. We just pray that you would, you would just speak through these words that I shared, Lord, and that your spirit just fill each person here, Lord, with your hope and your promises and your, your will for their lives. So we just do thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. We thank you for the worship team, for bringing us into a, a place of, of worship, an attitude, an atmosphere of, of um, just expressing joy and expressing appreciation to what God's doing in our heart and our lives. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. In other words, my wish for you, my greeting for you, is that you are set on a course of happiness over the next 365 days. And we ask ourselves this morning, and I ask myself, is that what God really wants from us in 2017? That we might be set on a course to enjoy happiness over the next 365 days? Or does God perhaps have a different plan for us in this upcoming year? Have you ever had thoughts or even asked the question, what's the big deal about New Year's? I mean, what the excitement? And there is a certain amount of hype. My, my niece is still in Australia, and of course she had to stand in Sydney Harbour and watch probably one of the biggest light shows on the planet as the uh, new year got ushered in and lights and every description of fireworks got sent off the Sydney Harbour Bridge and half the world was there, I'm sure. The other half the world was in New York probably doing the same thing. <laughs> well, why the excitement? Well, speculation only, and this is only my speculation, but everyone loves the thought of a new, fresh start. Something new. Fresh beginning. New Year's is also the beginning of a God-designed cycle. Think of the weather. It's cold now. Other places in the world, it's warm. <laughs> and in some of those places it'll get cold relatively but we know in six months or so it'll be warm here and that cycle continues trees and plants flowers animals I can put my garbage out now I think without fear of bears coming to my backyard I think because there's a cycle called hibernation that supposedly protects me from my garbage getting ter- turned over by bears. And then, of course, there's age. What's the saying? Another year older, another year older. No, it's, uh, <laughs> no, it's another year older, another year wiser, perhaps. Well, and society has agreed with God's in determining that one year is a good cycle as well. 
a functional cycle and base things like education. Children might say, last year I was in grade four, but now I'm in grade five. I've moved up. Model and designs. Vehicles. That was last year. You should see this year. Got a new grill. You know, it just, just improved that much more. Business cycles, business planning, budgets, all focused on a year as a natural cycle. It's also associated with anticipation and excitement. The beginning of a great year, and perhaps a better year, something more. Essentially what it is, it's a new page, somewhat a blank slate, a fresh start. Maybe not blank or completely fresh, but it new. This year is really still in the package, yet to be opened and yet to be realized. Last year's, well, weather-torn, dog-eared, page-worthy book can be put in the archives. He's go, wiping our brow, what's next? Or should we say, what's possible? With God we know that all things are possible. Is that verse exciting to you or absolutely terrifying? Or both at the same time? How often do we reflect back on the previous year? Take a moment. Go off in your little space. Close your eyes. Just sort of put your head back and relax for a moment. I'll play a little song here for you. Uh-huh. Just take a moment and think. Last year, 2016. What thoughts come to your mind in 2016? Seems like it was just around the corner. But it's gone, and we're into a new year. You just reflected back on the previous year, and your mind has recalled memories. Some very pleasant, I'm sure. Some difficult. Some challenging. And some simply unfinished. Now, Reach down on the side of your chair, grab the gear shift, take it out of reverse and put it in forward. And let's go forward into 2017 and project forward. And with that, let's take with us God at his word in 2017. And with that, let's take the promise of Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. But Jesus looked at them, his disciples, and he said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. The context, of course, was they were asking Jesus who can be saved. But with God all things are possible fits into a much, much broader context than just salvation. He said all, capital all things are possible. Have you ever noticed that the disciples, their behavior, their responses, the things they do, 
are often much like us, the things that we come back with may sound something like this. God, I don't understand. Or Jesus, how is that even possible? I'm not able, Jesus, to do the things you're asking me. Sorry, what you're asking is just not me. Yes, Lord, I'm doubting. Jesus' response to them was, With men, these things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so with the disciples, the apostles, the prophets, those who were called, we're in such good company. If our responses to God's prompting is like that, we're in such good company that if we struggle and have similar doubts and fears to God's prompting in our lives. I would like this morning to look more specifically and focus on our Christian lives and think about what might God be prompting us and motivating us and urging us towards over, say, the next 12 months. This may sound a lot like, okay, let's all work up our New Year's resolutions. But, if that was the case, it would be a sad start. Did you know that New Year's resolutions, on average, have a success rate of between 5 and 8%? And that's achieving any of the things you set out to do. Any of the things. The rest of the things, you know what happens to them? Like that. Gone. Put somewhere, taken out maybe next year. And the reason why New Year's resolutions fail statistically fall into kind of three major categories. The first one is unrealistic goals. I want to run a half marathon this year. Half marathon. Not going for the marathon, going for the half. Problem is, I hate running. <laughs> What's my plan? Well, I don't know. I don't really have a plan, but the goal is half marathon. Unrealistic planning, unrealistic goals, and the last one is lack of passion. Lack of passion when things get tough. When all of a sudden it's not fun anymore. When all of a sudden my whole body hurts and I've only run three kilometers. And you think, oh, I've got another 23 to go. and I, Do I even want to do this? Understandably, New Year's resolutions between 5 and 8 success rate is not surprising. But what if I'm talking about not a human endeavor or a self-improvement plan, but what I'd like to term a spiritual resolution. Part of a journey that's designed by God and not by man. I'm sure we'd all agree with this statement. God desires us to grow 
and mature in our Christian life. God wants us to grow and grow up and mature in our Christian life. Ephesians 4, verses 14 to 15 says this, We are not meant to remain as children, but to grow up in every way in Christ. Colossians 4.12 That you may become mature Christians and you may fulfill God's will for you. I love this Colossians verse because it could go something like this. That you may become mature Christians and you may fulfill God's will and stop. But it doesn't stop. It goes God's will for you. For you specifically, God's will, that you might fulfill that. And that's God's desire that that will might be fulfilled. God has a personal and a design specific will for each one of us. Amazing thought. So we conclude that it's not only a healthy sign that we develop and we mature, but more importantly, it's God's will for us that we should mature and we should develop. It would be extremely, extremely tragic if we came this time next year. Some organizations do things like performance appraisals or reviews. And usually they're, they're, they're one of the most unpleasant times of the year. Because I could go on to a, a whole different thing about that, but they, they don't get prepared well, they don't get done well, they just generally don't get bought into. But say, for instance, next year, we came back, and this would be tragic, reflecting back on 2017, and if Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 to 13, was the summary of 2017 for us. And it goes like this. You have been Christians a long time. And you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you and gain the basic things a beginner must learn about the Scriptures. You are like babies who drink only milk and cannot eat solid food. Isn't that a sobering thought? Isn't that... I mean, if, if that was the commentary and the summary of our Christian life next year, where, what, would, what would we be? We'd be sitting there thinking, oh, I am a failure before God. But one of the most interesting things about that aspect is the fact that the opportunity to mature and develop is a choice. It's our choice. And we get to make it. We get to choose whether we want to move forward in our Christian walk. Whether we want to mature. Whether we want to become more like Christ. He does the work, but we put ourselves forward and say, you know what, that's what I want. That's what I want in my, my Christian life. Or, we say, mm, I don't know, there's lots of reasons why we shouldn't be doing that. I'm just going to sort of sit back here and relax. I'm going to put things in coast mode, and that's where I'm going to stay. Some have described the Christian life as this. 
You're, on, you're in a river, and you're in a canoe. Not a fast-moving river, but nevertheless a river that flows. You take your pals out of the water. What happens? You stay where you are? No. You start going backwards. Next thing you know, if you do it long enough, you're back where you started from. But if you continue to paddle and you continue to even make motion with that paddle, you move forward. And as you move forward, you see new things and you experience new things. And God opens up brand new opportunities. Amazing. So with this, it raises an important question. Not why, but how. How can we progress in our Christian life in, in year 2017. Let's reflect on the following thoughts in order to lay a foundation for growth and for God to uncover His will and His plans for our lives. His will and His plans for our lives. Let's start with this. Knowing God as a general and overarching will. For, for all Old Testament and New Testament saints. And that overarching will, and that general will for us, is found in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. And it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Spoken specifically to Israel as they were going back to Israel from captivity. But broadly very applicable to God's kingdom. Plans to prosper are not financial. Plans to prosper are spiritual and relational. In order for us to impact people for the kingdom of God. In 2017, that we might prosper spiritually and relationally, that we might impact God's kingdom in some way that we have done what God's called us to do from His will and other people have benefited from that. Other people have been drawn into the kingdom or have matured in the kingdom as a result of what God's called us to do. Plans to prosper. And the purpose is from the verse, to give you hope and a future. Amazing thought. God wants to give us hope and a future. That's a very broad overview. But we realize primarily, His plan is to bring you and me into a saving relationship with Jesus. And transformation of our character to reflect Jesus' love of God and other people. And so, our hope and our future is in Jesus. In no one else, but in Jesus alone. Making this our top priority for life and, and pursue relationship with Jesus, knowing that everything else flows from that. Everything else flows from that relationship that we have with Christ. The second thing is, we have this overarching broad will for us. We have a very specific will for us. 
realizing that God's created us with specific purposes. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, We know that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works in which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's prepared for us to do good works, which he prepared in advance for each one of us. And that is an amazing thought as well. The things that God has for us have been prepared, as we read from Ephesians this morning, before the foundation of the world, that we should do those things. The last little foundational thing is this. God has created us uniquely. Quite uniquely. There's not another you. Have a look around. Does anybody in this room even resemble you? Or look like you? Or behave like you? Some of us might say, thank God for that. (laughs) But you are unique. You have an interesting mix of spiritual gift, of talent, of skills, and desires. And all of those things are all put together in you. And you are here in South Porcupine, Ontario, amongst us at this moment. And God has said that he has prepared those things in advance, that you should be here, and that you are a masterpiece and part of his workmanship. It's absolutely amazing. Okay, let's look at how we should function together. Take our Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm only going to read a few verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 to 18. Now the body is not made up of one part but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand... I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? In fact, the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. That image of the church, of being part of a body, is is a picture that really helps to understand how the parts fit together. It's a couple of things that come out of that reading for me. The first thing is that the body must have all the parts to function properly. If we are going to desire in 2017 to follow the will of God and to be part of the body, we realize that all of the parts... All of them have to function together. What if I asked you today, what parts of the body are you willing to donate? I'm looking for a rib, and I need an arm, and an eye and a spleen. 
Who's up for that? It's, Wally? Good? <laughs> My buddy? You'd say, are you insane? I'm going to donate to you part of my body. I'm not even going to give you my hair if I had a whole much more. I'm not going to donate that. You, you, there's no way I'm going to do that. That's ludicrous. It's not negotiable. We, we don't give up parts of our body. But, if the body must have all the parts to function properly, what's in the body here? may not be all the parts. There's people missing. There's people missing. And do we miss those people like we miss our spleen? We realize that if the people that make up the local body are not here completely, we don't function effectively. Like our body. If we gave up parts, it wouldn't work properly. It just wouldn't work properly. Number one point. No one part is more important than the other. Do we actually believe that? No one part is more important than the other. Where does the idea come from that one part is more important than the other? Well, I suspect it comes from us. And what that is, it's a creep of the world's values coming into the church that says things like this. Adopting a corporate type business model or a set of values and looking to business leaders and people of wealth and prominence and importance and those people are the most important people. Those are the most important people. It's important for us to reflect on that question because the no one person is more important than the other is a cornerstone of a healthy church and how it functions together. It's the cornerstone that if one part of the body isn't included or it's not functioning then the whole body is suffering and if the idea is even considered acceptable that we think one part or other parts are more important it's the seed of disunity it's the seed where we think it's acceptable for one part to be excluded or one part not to be as important or accepted and so what we start seeing is cracks and fractures in the foundation, the very foundation of the church. And so that is an important thing to consider and reconsider and come back. And as we look around at the body, we look around at the body and we see each person having a unique set of values that God has, has set in place. In addition, parts cannot function independently. There's no Lone Ranger Christian. They don't exist. The Lone Ranger Christians are, are people often that are frustrated and they've gone their own way. 
but they only find frustration in where they end up if they're outside of the body that God intended them to be. The church is to function together as a body, interdependently. And that's two or more things dependent upon each other. This little thing here, amazing little piece of equipment, it's a guitar tuner. For those of you who don't have great ears, you just put this on the headstock, you flip it on, and what you get is an E note. Now, this little thing lights up green when it's E. And you can go E-A-D-G-B-E, and you get that. And when you put it in the hands of someone like Wally, it just sounds beautiful. This, to me, represents the church. And those lights saying that we're functioning together and we're in tune tells us that the church is working together. If you take this thing apart and you remove the battery, and inside of those things is this little circuit board. And you got little green pieces and red pieces and this and that and... And only, only Ted could probably tell you what all those things actually mean. But decide for yourself to start pulling pieces out. We don't need that, don't need that. How well would that work? It may work, it may not work, who knows. And the result is the church is out of tune. But when it works together, all those little pieces in the back of this thing all function together. And we're all valued and we're all equally important. And as a result... It produces music that is, is in tune and we all benefit from it. But the last and the most important thing of this is in this verse at the end of the section. And it says, but in fact God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he intended to do. God has arranged the parts, every one of them. So he's put all of these parts together, each one of us, and he has done it in a way that he wanted it to do it. So we're here, I'm here, you're here, because God intended us to be here together, to function together in that manner. It's quite amazing the fact that God's done all of this in this little local church, and in Timmins, there's a, a broader body. And in Ontario and Canada, there begins to look like a um, global body. And throughout the world, all of us are functioning together for the purpose of glorifying God and fulfilling His will for us. But if we get a picture in our 2017 spiritual resolution that what we desire to do is to fulfill God's will the way he designed us to, each one in the body and realizing that each member of the body needs to function together and be appreciated, then it starts to turn into something that God fully intended it to be. And, and as I look, I think the potential of that is amazing.
Absolutely amazing. I'm going to close with a few things here, what practically we can do. First thing is, invite God to shape our desires according to His will. I don't know how often I pray this way, but God, shape my desires to be in conformance with what you want for my life. That's all I'm interested in. I want you, Lord, to direct my prayers that I am shaping my desires for you. I'm reading the Word and I'm studying the Word with the plan, Lord, that you will speak to me and you will reveal your will to me in a way that I can understand it and I can apply it. And I won't let discouragement defeat me. In fact, in some weird way, I'll welcome it. Knowing that we count it all joy when God brings us trials and difficulties for the purpose of building us up. I'll wait for God's perfect peace and timing. I know that God will give us perfect peace. When the time is right, and when the timing's right, we'll sense God's peace. Philippians 4.17 says, And the peace of God which transforms all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And I'll understand what the true meaning of success is. It's this, submitting myself and being aligned with God's will. So that's my desire for 2017. And that's my desire that, that we should function together in the unity of the body the way God's designed it. The ear, the nose, the throat, the foot. The whatever part of the body that is represented here. That we all function together. And when there's a part of the body that's missing, we will pursue bringing that body back into the body that part, and knowing that without that part, we're not complete. I'd like to conclude with a verse, and that's in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13 and 14. It says this, Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The things behind me are behind me. We reflected back last year of what we did last year. Those things are gone. Good, bad, or indifferent, they're gone. Now I push forward. And I push forward for the things, the goal, the prize, which God has called me heavenward. Praise God. I'd like to close with a song. And we'll have our worship team come up. It's number 376 in our green hymn book. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Father in heaven, we do thank you for for the privilege of serving you. We thank you, Lord, for the way you've designed us, the way you've brought us into a, a very, very unique relationship that we are fitted together for your purpose, for your glory, 
that we should function together, that we should be joined together like parts of a body. And so we just marvel at that, Lord. We ask You as we leave this day, may that reflect within us. May that just help us to draw us closer together and appreciate each one of us in a deeper way. We do thank You in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.